Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning here at First Presbyterian Church. Welcome to those online as well. I do have a couple of announcements for you, and the first one is a reminder that we do have prayer cards in the pews. They're right there in front of you. If you have a prayer that you would like included in worship today, then you should find a pen or pencil, ignore the rest of the announcements, and write your prayer on that prayer card because during the prelude, uh, the ushers will come forward and they'll have baskets. If you'd like your prayer included in worship this morning, they'll be collecting those. For all of those of you who are still listening, I do have a couple more announcements, and that is it's the first Sunday of the month, and so first Sunday supper is this evening. There are two opportunities for you. Uh, If you like to chop things and cook things, uh, they would love to have you come to the Family Center Kitchen at 3 o'clock this afternoon. If you are more on the dishwashing and cleanup crew side, then you will be the heroes of the afternoon. And if you had to come about 4.30 and help them clean up at the end, it would be most appreciated. That's this afternoon. Tomorrow at 12.15 will be our next to last downtown Lenten worship service. Uh, This one is at Goddard Methodist Church. 12.15 is the worship service. They are usually about half an hour and the Reverend Stephen Kurtz from Central Presbyterian will be preaching. There is one more after that, it is next Monday, and that will be at Central Pres, and I'll be preaching, so. Also, Mindful Mornings is continuing, that's at 9 a.m. on your social media sites, the church's Facebook page or YouTube page. It's just a brief uh, devotion on Thursday mornings for the season of Lent. And finally, uh, it was deemed Uh, by a committee that then formed a subcommittee that then formed a task force to look into it, it was deemed that the two years of the pandemic have been boring and that it is time to party. So the subcommittee of the task force of the committee and the session decided that we are going to party next Sunday. Uh, Now, we are going to do this decently and in order, so we will only party for one hour because that's how we do it. Uh, 9.45 to right before this worship service. I would love for you to come a little early. There won't be any Sunday school. We're gonna have bacon and baked goods over in the gym. We're gonna have some silly games and fun. We're gonna have Easter egg hunt for the kids. So come on over, come a little early, 9.45, next Sunday for a big hoop-de-doo. Now I have one request for that. If you have in a closet somewhere a fancy Easter hat from maybe your own or a grandmother or an aunt or just a hat in general um, bring it next Sunday as well we're going to incorporate that into our fun all right that's all of my announcements let's begin worship
Our call to worship this morning comes to us from Psalm 145, beginning with verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. Let us pray. Gracious, holy, and merciful God, during this time of worship, we pray that your spirit would be present in our midst, that we might set aside all worries and concerns, all distractions, even all excitements, and focus upon you, upon your word, and upon one another. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our first hymn. remain standing and let us confess our sins before God and one another using the prayer printed in your bulletins and on your screens. Let us pray. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. We are exhausted by the weight of them. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, 
and what has become for us a consuming burden. Set us free from a past that we cannot change and open to us a future in which we can be changed. On this Lord's Day, we pray for the rest and peace you promise, even as you are shaping us to be more and more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. My friends, who is in a position to condemn? It is only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has come. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. And now let us sing to God's glory. We do have a special song for Lent. Let us pray. Lord God, you are our rock and you are our salvation. Without you, how could we stand? We pray that as we read your we have your word read and proclaimed that you would silence any voice but your own that your word would become a living word to us with the Holy Spirit at work in this place and in our lives. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Sometimes when we read the scriptures, we have to read them two or three times. We think, what, what did that scripture just say? I don't understand or I don't uh, recognize that in my own life, I need to read this again. Uh, this Romans 7 passage is not one of those. Paul writes this, I do not understand my own actions. I do not understand, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law, that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And now from Matthew's Gospel, during the season of Lent, we have had a signpost series. Here is our signpost for today. These words from Jesus, beginning at verse 28. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. 
When Martin Luther read this Matthew passage, the one I just read for you, when he read, Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. When he read that, he said this. He said, what a strange invitation is this. It's as if Jesus is saying, my kingdom is a hospital for invalids. (laughs) That's what Jesus is building here, a hospital for invalids. Well, I don't know if it's strange or not, but this invitation from Jesus has certainly come to be one of the most comforting promises we have in Scripture. It, it may be one of your favorite verses. It is many people's. Come to me, he says, all of you who are weary, carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It is comforting at all times, but of course it is even more comforting when the burdens are heavy, (laughs) when we are worn out, when we realize just what invalids we are. So in this signpost series that we have during Lent, the signpost for this week is those blue signs that you only see on highways, on interstate highways, the blue sign that says rest area. And sometimes it says, rest area five miles, or rest area this next exit. Now, I don't know if you know the background on rest areas, but because I have a microphone you're about to learn. Rest areas were created, they did not exist until 1956, because they were created at the same time as the interstate highway system. And they are very particular places. Rest areas have to provide space to park, restrooms, water fountains, and picnic tables. Those four things. Beyond that, some of them sometimes provide vending machines. That's it. You ever been to one of those? Vending machines, picnic table, restroom, that's it. They do not and are not allowed to sell gas, dinner, or replacement tires. None of that is allowed at a rest area. In fact, they are not even allowed to make money I don't know if you've ever seen this at a vending machine, at a rest area, but traditionally there will be a sign there that says any revenue generated from this machine goes to the visually impaired. Not allowed to make revenue at a guest area. They were simply created for one reason, respite, for those who were on a long journey and who were worn out from the journey. So. Over the last 66 years of their existence, many of them have been used less and less. Folks like you and me, we would rather pull off one exit earlier or one exit later where we can choose restaurants and gas stations, or my favorite, the gas station restaurant, where we can have choices and a one-stop shop. So states have begun to close them. They thought no one needs a rest area anymore. But it turns out there is one group who needs them mightily. I don't know if you can guess which group that is. It is anyone who's carrying a heavy load. It is semi-trucks with their multiple axles. It is those campers with the extended cabs. It's anyone who needs rest from the burden. They have more than the four wheels on their car. They have more to carry than most of us. Those rest areas were designed for them in a way that no restaurant and no Valero ever was. We know here in this place that Jesus goes by many names. Wonderful Counselor, Alpha and Omega, Good Shepherd, many names. I would like to add a name to that list today. I'd like to add that blue highway sign Rest area. Jesus, the rest area. Strange as it is, that's what he is. He invites everyone, and people can come to him or not. They, they can pull off on the highway of their lives or not, but it is those who have a heavy load. It is those who are extra burdened who need him most. They are the ones who, who find out quickly that not All exits are prepared for their burden, but he is. He uniquely is. Many of us 
have been taught. Many of us, even from when we were small children, we were taught, you bring your best to Jesus. I, I was taught that as a child. You bring your best to Jesus. And that is a good teaching, and it is right teaching. It means that whatever we have to honor him, we should use it, we should do it. But sometimes we can twist that teaching, and we can come to believe that unless we are our best, we shouldn't go anywhere near him until we are our best, until everything is cleaned up and tidy, we should just put him at a distance. So we start to ignore him, we distance ourselves from him, from worship, from faith, but this passage reminds us that that is precisely when Jesus wants to be nearest to us. When we are not at our best, when we are overburdened and worn out, he says, Come to me, please. When we are, like Paul says, when we are wretched and believe nothing can save us, Jesus says, come to me, please. Let me be the rest area. Now, after such an invitation, after such an invitation of talking about rest and lightness and ease, we would expect that the next lines would be something about peace in our hearts or, or calmness for our minds or at least the mention of a hammock, you know? So take my hammock, Jesus says. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Take my hammock and rest a while. But that's not what he says. Yes, he offers rest. He offers respite on the journey, but that's not the end. He then offers equipment. Equipment for the road. It is a long drive. After all, that, that highway is long, and rest areas are not things we find in shimmering meadows by lakes in the middle of nowhere. Rest areas are along the highway. We only stop there for a moment. Someone was telling me earlier, I mentioned this at the 9 a.m. service, and maybe you'll get the reference, but a rest area is not a Bucky's. Have you ever been to Bucky's? Now, you could live at a Bucky's. I think I'm fairly certain. But you can't live at a rest area, not for long. It's not for staying. And Jesus knows that. He knows that we cannot escape life or its struggles. There will be burdens on the road. There will be weariness. Of course, there will. And so he gives us rest, and then he gives us this equipment to make the road easier. Now, I know all of you have seen the uniforms that Phil and I wear on Sunday mornings. In fact, some of you have said to me at the grocery store, things like that, I don't recognize you out of uniform. But I wonder, as you've seen the uniform, if you know what it means. Well, I will tell you. Back when uh, the Reformed Church was starting, their first and foremost goal around what pastors would wear was minimalism and simplicity. So only what most mattered got to stay. So no fancy cassocks or fringes or tall hats or red shoes. Uh, we don't get any of that. Just two things. And the first is a simple black robe. It is supposed to remind me every time I put it on of education and knowledge, and use of, of the brains that God has given us, and, and seeking the truth always. When we put the robe on, uh, we are to remember that we seek truth and knowledge our whole lives. And one other thing, the stole. And the stole, do you know what it represents? It's the yoke of Christ. That's what it is. And so when I put it on, I am supposed to be reminded of who I obey, who I follow, whose teaching matters, who's carrying the load. It's the yoke of Christ. Those two things, and that alone. We get that from this passage. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy, my burden 
is light. But it's so confusing because first of all, most of us don't live on a farm <laughs> and we wonder what yokes are and then we wonder how in the world could it be light. So first to yokes, you know what a yoke is. You have seen pictures at the very least. It's what farmers put on farm animals. It helps them to make straight lines that the farmer wants and, and once the yoke is on the ox, the yoke senses better what the farmer wants from the ox. So you you see that on farm animals. And when you see this yoke, when I wear it, when we all experience it, we are to be remembering what is it the farmer wants? What am I sensing that Jesus is leading me to? But then that second part, that it's going to be light, that the burden's going to be easy. It's a little confusing because just before in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it took three whole chapters for him to give his most famous sermon, that Sermon on the Mountain. We've been learning about it in worship in the last few months. That is not easy. Love your enemy? Turn the other cheek? Don't even let your eye stray? Don't feel anger? That's weighty stuff. That is heavy teaching that Jesus offers, and, and he says it will be light. It seems almost impossible to imagine how will this be lighter when you ask of us, Lord, the more narrow way. You ask of us the harder way to travel on a journey that already has its struggles. How in the world will it be lighter, Lord? I can only think of one way. I can only think of one way that it will be lighter. And that is that to be yoked, we're first yoked to him. I, you've probably seen that, right? When the burden is extra heavy, when it is too much to bear, the farmer, he'll bind two oxen together. And he'll put them on a double yoke. One cannot do it alone, but two, they can do it. I think that's the only way. That's why he says, come to me, come really close, come so close that we can be yoked together. That's how this burden will be light. That's how your way will be easy. We're a team of travelers now. We're not alone. It looks like one yoke. It can feel like one yoke. But you're on a team. The only way it is lighter is that Jesus himself is carrying far more than half. Come to me, he says. Come so near to me that the yoke will hit on me too. I'll, I'll carry most of it. Come so near that you'll only have part of it to bear. So I am making my argument today for a new name for Jesus, Jesus the rest area, the blue sign along your way. You know, it occurs to me that in this place, we find respite in this holy time. Here, Jesus offers us water and nourishment. He offers us plenty of space and a table. But we can't live here. We were meant for the road. So, in all of that journey you still have to take, always, always remember that you have all the equipment you need. Amen.
table of bread and wine is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been here for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Let us pray. Holy God, as we gather at your table this day, we pray that you would stitch us together anew as one people through these elements, that in this bread and this cup our bodies might be nourished as your followers, and we might be reminded of our love for you and our love for one another. Help these elements to embody all that we believe this day through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now I invite you to listen to the story of our faith. That on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So my friends, we will be having communion by intinction today. We will invite you to come forward coming from the back first and then the front. Take a piece of bread and take the cup and then go back to your seats and we will eat and we will drink together. As you know, this is not a Presbyterian table. It is the table of Jesus Christ and all who believe in him are welcome here. I'd invite the servers to come forward.
body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Before we pray, one reminder, uh, Bruce King, who we have been praying for for some time, remains hospitalized, excuse me, in Little Rock. (coughs) My piece of bread was too big. (laughs) Bruce remains hospitalized in Little Rock. Uh, He is improving, but it is a very slow process, so please do keep he and his wife, Audrey, in your prayers. Let us pray. Holy God, on this day, we come before you with many burdens in our lives. We carry burdens which are visible and invisible, burdens which are right below the surface, and burdens which we have deeply repressed, burdens which cause us to lose sleep, and burdens which make us want to do nothing but sleep. On this day, we bring all of those burdens to you. And we take this moment of silent prayer to offer them before you during our time together. Holy God, we share these burdens with you not in the expectation that you will solve all of our problems, but in the ever-powerful reminder that we do not carry these burdens alone, that you walk with us, that you support us, that you embrace us. We remember also that many of the ways you do this is through your community, through the brothers and sisters in Christ that we share. Help us to be a support and care to one another. Help us to share with one another. As we're mindful of these burdens, we are particularly mindful of those whom we love who are carrying such heavy burdens related to their health. We pray for Jennifer Bryant, for Chris Jones, who has neuropathy, for Bruce, who continues to recover from a stroke. And we offer now these prayers for particular people and situations. Holy God, we pray that we might never depart from worship without a spirit of gratitude and joy. We are grateful for the world which you have created for us. We celebrate the joy we receive from one another, from our faith, from opportunities to serve you. Help our gratitude and help our joy to be ever-present at the fore of our minds and help help them to lead us always in lives of prayer. We offer these prayers to you this day in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We do not pass offering plates anymore. There is a basket up there if you choose to avail yourself of it. In the meantime, please receive this offering of music.
Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings we have been given, and we return our humble tithes and offerings to you, that they may be used for your glory in this place and throughout your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing our final hymn.
as you go out into this world. I charge you with the prophet Micah's charge. He says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your Lord? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you, and may the Lord give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Greet one another in his name.